0: Blog Talk Radio Welcome to Speaking with Influence where you'll hear professional speakers discussing their signature talks and how they educate, motivate and inspire their audiences around the world Speaking with Influence is brought to you by the Speakers Guild USA where we have the perfect speaker for your next event Visit us at SpeakersKilledUSA.com. Well, good morning. I'm Deborah Simpson coming to you from San Diego, California. If any of our listeners are on Twitter, and especially if you're a professional speaker, I'd appreciate you hitting this tweet, but, tweet this button and let your followers know about the show. If you have a question, you can feel free to call in. The number is 516 595 8125 or you can send me a question via the chat room. It is open. And if you like the show, you can always follow the show by tapping the Follow Us button on the show page. And, of course, you can keep up with us via iTunes. Today my guest is Wes Schaefer, the sales whisperer. Wes Schaefer is the sales whisperer, a pig-headed entrepreneur who rehabilitates salespeople and trains their managers. He's a reassuringly expensive copywriter, sought-after speaker, marketing automation aficionado, and he's the author of two and a half books on sales, marketing, and entrepreneurship, a host of the Sales Podcast and the CRM Sushi Podcast, my favorite food, by the way, sushi, and has helped 5,400 of the world's top speakers, authors, coaches, and sales professionals achieve nearly miraculous growth by mastering his proven success process, which hinges on the idea that to make any sales <clears throat> you must make every sale. Wes, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Deborah. Thanks for having
0: me. Hey, it's nice to have you here as well. So was was sales something you knew you wanted to get into when you were a young Tad?
1: <laughs> nope. I uh neither of my parents were in sales. Um I was recruited to play football at the Air Force Academy, spent five years on active duty. Uh, So, no, the groundwork was not laid from the beginning for me to be in sales.
0: And how did you get into sales? Uh,
1: I was still in the service, and I was talking with people. I was interested in investing. Uh, I'd been studying that. Uh, just on the side since I was a senior uh, at the academy, um, was investing in, you know, before the Internet, right? So literally go to the library yeah. and check out investment books and started learning about the fundamentals and technical investing and reading the charts and whatnot. And um, so I just I had an interest in the financial world and then – through various people, was introduced to that as an option. And so I made plans to to leave the service. when my commitment was up and get into uh, the world of being a stock broker that lasted uh, all of six months.
0: (laughs) There you go. Well, I I have been online for a long time. I got my first computer in 86 from my dad, a TRS-80 from Radio Shack. So I've been watching – all of the Internet grow up. I mean, I was talking on Prodigy with a friend, and it was a like a message board. So it's been incredible, and I know that a lot of sales and marketing people talk to us about, you know, let's set up funnels or let's set up pipelines. Um, let's just create this whole reserve of passive income, and we'll never have to do a sales pitch anymore. So what do you do uh-huh. to talk to people about all of this Hype that we're learning, you know, that says you can make a lot of money on sales. Just put up a sales page and and send out the link, and the cash will come rolling in.
1: Right. It reminds me of the gold rush, you know, uh, Mm with one person strikes gold and then they go set up a shop and they sell uh, shovels and and pans and all. Say, you you can make it rich too. I mean, you got to look at. And when they start, and you know, there's a thing I learned too in, in the investing world, it's called survivor bias. You know, they talk about like the typical investment, you know, in the exchange, you know, yield 11.2%, blah, blah, blah. But well, it's typical of those that survived, those that didn't go bankrupt, they didn't go out of business. So there's a, there's a lot of people out there that were either very lucky or they had very good timing, or they were just excellent at what they do, you know. and they were lucky, and they had good timing. They were the right place at the right time, uh, and, and things went well. Right? Even myself, I mean, I was fortunate enough in 2008 to literally stumble across um, a marketing automation software called Infusionsoft, and mm-hmm. I went all in on it and made a lot of money. Um, I would not recommend that same course of action today. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, time yeah, I, the I know changed. about Competition it. Competition came up. Yeah, it's different.
0: Yeah, I, you know, I uh, checked out Infusionsoft, and it's really, a, when I checked it out many years ago, it was really an intense program, and you had to have a lot of um Knowledge, as far as technology goes to work it what i 've been fascinated about is how many of the other email service providers have adopted to some degree the tools that infusionsoft had so but but it is a really tough uh, if you 're not technologically uh, competent or confident, maybe is a better word. It's, it's a tough road on that infusion soft and some of the automated softwares. And, you know, it's people kind of think about, you know, well, I really don't have to be a salesperson because I can just automate these processes, and if I throw that link out on the Internet enough, I'm going to make a gazillion dollars. So what is the job of a salesperson now in this kind of different age that we are in when it comes to business?
1: Well, we're still selling confidence. That has never changed. You know, because humans selling to humans, what what makes us tick is the same. Now, because of the Internet and the way things have evolved, how we go about that has changed drastically. Uh, 20 years ago, um, even 30 years ago for sure, but – as little as 20 years ago, the salesperson was the keeper of the knowledge. Okay, companies, websites weren't that, that widely deployed yet. And even though they were, those that did have them, they were more of a static, like a, a brochure website. There was really no opt-in. Uh, maybe they had some specs online, but it was usually enough just to kind of tease you. and You had to call in to get the information. And then the salesperson was the was the broker of information still. Now everything's available. A motivated, a motivated prospect can be better educated about at least the specific model of yours that they want. Okay, Just like uh, you know, a car salesman may know more about the entire fleet, but somebody that's truly into Mustangs, let's say, they will probably know more about the Mustang than the individual salesperson. And so mm-hmm. now our job is not so much as to educate and hold on to the knowledge. It's to reassure the prospect that they're making the right decision, you know, based on the information that they have. And so, of course, we, we have to make sure they don't have incorrect information, uh, and it can be a touchy situation if, if they are wrong, right? And we have to kind of turn things around, kind of shed light on it without hurting their ego or offending them. Uh, but that's, our, that's our, our job now more, uh, more so than, than in the past is, you know, listening, uh, really determining what does the prospect need, making sure they're on the right path, and then reassuring them Uh, that now's the time to get started, you know, it's in their best interest to begin now.
0: When you talk about the listening part, which I think is really important, through my years in the small business community, you know, you run into people a lot of times who are pretty um, confident about their product and pushing it forward and know this is the best thing for you. What are some of those um ways that we can recognize and train ourselves to not try to sell to ask more questions than to give more benefits and features of your business or product?
1: Well, the main thing is to understand the you know you're doing your sales job right when you ask a question that the prospect can't answer mm. okay we, we reach out for help when we get stuck okay if you have a, a sore elbow or you got a rash on your arm you know you don't run to the doctor you go to Google you go to Facebook hey everybody my elbow hurts. Any ideas? <laughs> you know, Like, uh, yeah, you're crazy? I mean, like, can you give us some more info, right? So it's like, hey, I've been playing tennis. Mm. I've been playing golf, and it's been slowly getting worse. It's on the inside of the outside, right? Have you also lifting weights? Are doing any other thing? And, you know, and your friends, your family, you look up tennis elbow. You, oh, okay. Ice and heat and pressure and stretching and blah, blah, blah. So, so you're going to try that for a while. And so let's say you do try that for a while and a week goes by, two months go by, and not only is it not better, it's worse. And now, now you can't find a viable diagnosis, explanation. You're not finding an effective treatment. So now you go see the experts, okay? When you go see that salesperson, you know what, our, our job, again it's not to educate the prospect all right so when you go see your physician yeah they may have one of those skeleton things in their in their office but I don't see those very much anymore either they may bust the book out yeah. and show all the overlays like we had in school right the, the, the skeletal system the, the nervous system the, the muscles you know and all those little cool overlays but they don't even show that hardly anymore they're going to they're going to See what's going on, they're gonna poke and prod and stretch and move and and ask a bunch of questions, and through that process, they're gonna make a diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. it's literally the bedside manner. If you if you appreciate and feel confident in how they treated you and that their examination was thorough and professional, then you'll trust the diagnosis and the prescription. So our job as salespeople. You know, if if you come to me and, well, I want to grow my sales. Well, most sales training people would jump up and down, you know, and go, okay, great, great. I can help you. I'm the sales whisperer. Absolutely. Let's get going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. When they call me and say, you know, I want to grow my sales, you know, can you help me? I'll ask them, why do you want to grow your sales? You know, and they're like, Mm -hmm. well, doesn't everybody want to grow their sales? no not everybody does some are winding their business down maybe they're going into retirement maybe, maybe some maybe it's just a, right. become a side project they built the business they're just kind of maintaining to get the cash flow and they've got hobbies or or you know, philanthropy you know type ventures so no not everybody does want to grow their sales but even if everybody does they want to grow for different reasons why do you want to grow your sales. Okay? I I need to know we've got to get to the emotional driver. And if there's not a burning issue going on, they're not a great prospect for me. And that's true for all of us. I want them to right. tell me, right. you know, hey, I've got uh, my daughter's getting married next year. I got to pay for this elaborate wedding or like my case, I got seven kids. I got a lot of expenses. You know, they all want to eat. They want to go to college. They want to play sports. Yeah. I got to fund all this. You know. Okay. Well, that's a good motivator. You know. Or others are like, "Hey, I got fired by my last company, and I'm going to show them, right? Come hell or high water, mm-hmm. I'm right? Going to bury them. Five years from now, I want to make enough money to buy the business and burn it to the ground. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. I can work with that too. So stop assuming. Ask questions, and when you ask a question they can't answer, they assume that you know what the heck you're talking about because you were smarter than them to even think of a question that they couldn't answer. And because you asked that question, they also assume you have a solution to that issue that you brought up. Okay, so that's our yep. job is to ask great questions. I know I'm on the right track, and the prospect says, oh, wow. Oh, uh, I've never been asked that. Oh, um, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Wow, i I, I got to think about that for a minute. You know, I've never really looked at it that way. That's what I'm being brought mm-hmm. in for is that fresh set of eyes.
0: Right. Right. You know, right. So, you know stop I – yeah, I have been in technology, uh, well, I told you my I got my first computer in 1986, and I became a desktop publisher, and I love desktop publishing, and that led me to a job with McGraw-Hill, and I worked there for eight years uh, building websites for them and uh, turning their school textbooks into online learning tools. There's so much technology now when you think about it. Just think about our our CRMs that we use to manage our clients and prospects, the technology. I'm answering technology questions, especially for boomer women, like there's no tomorrow. And then I see a lot of disruption coming with artificial intelligence. Can you talk about how salespeople and how we as small business owners um, can can work with these tools and do they – help us with our sales and or as, as salespeople to have these tools? And are there any thoughts that we have as the business community about these tools that need to be disbunked? Like, you know, if we have these tools, then everything's going to be really easy, right? And everybody's going to be breaking down my door to get to my services.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the, old, the easy button, right? The, the silver bullet. Um, that's the problem. As soon as something is proven to really start working, it's pretty much going to stop working. Because you know, everybody's going to start doing it. Uh, and now mm-hmm. you're no longer unique. You're just one of, of many. And um, mm-hmm. so tools like that can help. Uh, but uh, look at marketing automation, email marketing. You know, how many people right. are thrilled to get an email today, right? It's, it's yeah. the last thing I want to look at in the morning. I don't check it all weekend long, and I mean, it's just. Can I but, give you
0: a secret? You know? Sure. I, I created a separate Gmail account, so when I subscribe to things, I have all my email subscriptions going to that Gmail account so it doesn't disrupt my business accounts. Oh, yeah. So there's, yeah, uh, there's, a... there's work around. So email marketing isn't as successful as it was in the very beginning. Right, and,
1: and nothing is, right? Everything follows an S-curve mm-hmm. of development and maturation. Um, mm-hmm. So artificial intelligence is, is cool, it's powerful, it's insightful if it's used properly, but just like you're talking about you know, desktop publishing. Uh, you know, 25 years ago, publishers were going to go the way of the dodo bird, right? Because everybody was just going to print their manuscripts and their documents right at their at their desk. You know, like mm-hmm. I don't think that happens. Right. No. Um, everything is harder to use than you think. The competition is always one step ahead. The big guys are are putting more money into it. Uh, but I'm a big fan right now of doing what does not scale because everyone is doing things that do scale. They are using chat bots and instant messenger and uh, artificial intelligence and overseas VAs and and website scraping programs to to, um, aggregate uh, and blast messages out. But when you send a, Mm -hmm. a personal customized video email to someone, they take notice. When you send a handwritten card. Uh, I reached you by sending a personal, unique, customized message on LinkedIn. Right. Uh, so yeah. I I used technology to find you, right? I put a filter, I was looking for specific type of people that I could work with, that I might click with, and so once the technology narrowed down the field of a million potentials, then I did personal outreach to maybe 10. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And it, it made an impact, right?
0: Yep. And So with all these changes, do salespeople need more hugs?
1: Uh, you bet they do. Uh, they always do. We all need more <laughs> hugs, right? But
0: people, especially, you know, <laughs> well, if you, I were to, you hear these. You, oh, go ahead. If I were to be perfectly honest, my husband is in sales. I met him at the bank. He was in Coca-Cola at that time, and I was the teller. And uh, we've been married for 41 years, so I really love salespeople. <laughs> <laughs> nice. See, you're, you're hugging salespeople. Yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am hugging salespeople and more, and he's wonderful. Let's just take a moment out here. And for the listeners who'd like to get in touch with you and learn more about your services, how can they reach out to you?
1: Uh, The simplest thing is just go to the website, thesaleswhisperer.com, and uh, everything's there, my phone number, all my social media links, and and those uh, do go to me, right? It's not – not a software program. I don't have an assistant doing that type of communication. So if you get a retweet from me or a hello on LinkedIn or whatever, it's, it's coming from me.
0: Great. That's great. Um, so as entrepreneurs, why do we continue to major in what you call the minors?
1: Yeah, because it's kind of our comfort zone, and it kind of goes back to why salespeople need hugs, right? We, the imposter syndrome kicks in. We're working on things, and we're not successful. We're making outbound calls. We're being told no. We're losing deals here and there. Uh, it's a struggle maybe to hit our quota. You know, We're an entrepreneur trying to uh, venture out into something new. Maybe we quit our corporate job. The safety net's gone, uh, and now, oh, my gosh, here I am out on my own. And um, Mm -hmm. we get nervous. We get – just like in school, you know, you you had a big test coming up, and you didn't want to study for it for whatever reason. You were nervous about it. You were anxious. And, you know, in business, there's – you have to do a lot of things, and maybe you don't have to do them personally, but there are a lot of things that have to get done that are not sexy or glamorous or attractive. And when you're just starting out, you're doing all of them. And so, just like studying for that test, you start looking around, like, oh, look, there's there's dust on my windowsill. you know, it's been a while since I have cleaned my windowsill. Let me just give it a good scrubbing, and then then I'll study. You know, and then you're cleaning the windowsill. Like, oh, look, this screen, the screen hasn't been clean. I'm gonna take the screen off. I'm gonna <laughs> clean the screen. You know, next thing you know, I can clean the air conditioner vent. You know, you're like, go do the work.
0: Yeah. Um, so I can appreciate that. Some
1: of it is. It's, it's not exciting. I think it's a little scary. I think as well, people are afraid of success as much as they're afraid of failure. Uh, we, we work within yeah. our comfort zones, and I've seen mm-hmm. salespeople quite often. They'll, they'll land a big, uh, a big deal. They'll get a huge commission check, and then you'll see them coast. You see it in sports all the time. A, a, team, a team plays out of their mind, and they, as they're an underdog, and they beat a much better team. And then the next week, they lose to a worse team, you know, a team that's worse than them, because they almost like don't feel worthy. They're like, that, that wasn't us. We can't play at that high level all the time. That was just more of a fluke. We just really got up to that big game. And so they let themselves fall back down. Because it's it's a lot mm-hmm. of pressure to be number one or at the top or an up-and-comer, right? Whereas it's much easier to – it's not as fun or fruitful or profitable, but it, it's easier to kind of be in the shadows, be that little wallflower. Nobody's really taking notes. They, they don't notice your successes or your failures, so you just kind of meander along. Uh, so you need to embrace your calling, you know, understand um, – what your role is, what you've been put on this earth to do, and then go get after it.
0: Um, I I was curious about, you know, when we're in the sales process as small business owners, you know, home-based business owners, you know, small entrepreneurs that don't have a big um, budget for sales, et cetera. And, you know, we finally get the customer and now we're working with the customer and things start to go awry, you know, how do you advise people to, you know, like I have a client who wanted me to do some work, and I, you know, they don't always realize the full scope of what's involved in the work. So when the customer comes back and, well, you know, I'm the customer, I'm always right, what does the salesperson mm-hmm. do with something like that?
1: Well, the, the best thing is just to not get in that situation in the first place. <laughs> um, because once people are arguing it's it's hard. somebody's going to have to suck it up mm-hmm. you're going to have to you're going to get scope creep right you're going to have to do yeah. more than you offered to do or the customer's going to have to pay more to get what they thought they already paid for, uh, and it's just not good uh, and that's why you've got to be slower in the diagnosis you know there's there's a saying that time time kills deals and and that's true if i am slow to respond to you if you call my office and we don't answer you leave a message and we don't get back to you for 2 weeks we're going to lose that deal but if i answer right. my call immediately we talk we diagnose we i ask for more information for clarification we set a time to meet and and then we set another time and 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 i'm just being thorough that's fine. You should be thorough. You should not come across as desperate or needy or hungry to get this deal. You know, the old adage is if you're not ready and willing to walk away from the negotiation table, you have no business being there. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play yeah. a little bit hard to get. I'm going to be very curious and inquisitive uh, to peel everything back uh, because in that process, you know, just like doing a home inspection, you know, most salespeople, they just they just drive and look at the outside and go, yep, I'll take it. Uh, do you, you want to inspect? Oh, it's $500 for inspection. I'm not paying $500. That house is fine. I know what I'm doing. And even if there is a little issue <clears> in that, <throat> all, I can fix it, you know, and then you get in, and the foundation is cracked, and it's got termites, and the roof is leaking, and it's got mold, and, you know, got a there's a there's there was an oil spill in the backyard, and, you know, oh, my gosh. You know, all because you didn't want to spend $500 or take an extra two days to get an inspection. So Mm -hmm. you're going to pay one way or the other. I'd rather pay up front with a little time and due diligence um, because you make your money going in. You know, that's what professionals learn. They make their money going in. So make sure it's a good deal to begin with.
0: And then when, when you've got a client that you're working with, and things start to go south, how do you fire a client?
1: Yeah, well, understand that you are not a whipping boy or whipping girl, right, for your customers. Um, If you have done everything right, okay, sometimes you screw up, and and you know what, You, you have brought the abuse on yourself. Uh, so in that case, just own up to it and make things right. Uh, but if they're just greedy, if they're pushy, if they're just unhappy people, uh, you know, you don't have to take the abuse. Uh, and, you know, I I have clauses in my own agreements with people, you know, where we talk about how to break up. Uh, and so you need to be clear with that from the beginning uh, and just, you know, just understand in the world of business, nobody has the right to abuse or assault you, right? They, they can't be mm-hmm. rude. They can't be cursing you out or whatever. That's No, the customer is not always right, okay? And right. If, if you truly delivered, even over-delivered on what they bought, and they're not happy, you need to know it's okay to wash your hands and move on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely moved on from some clients who had unrealistic expectations of what could be achieved. Yeah. No. So let me ask just you this. We have uh, some time. Pardon?
1: Yeah, you know, just take your time and feeling it all back and setting the proper expectations, and, and you'll be fine.
0: You know that really is what it boils down to is that upfront conversation you have and setting the expectations that are realistic and realistic and I think that sometimes where we as small business owners fall short is you know we're we're so happy to get the sale and we're so excited about getting the sale and oh yeah we can oh yeah we can do that and we can do that and we can do that if we just stepped back for a moment and uh and brought in some of that enthusiasm we have for the potential sale and being more realistic with the clients. And, you know, I have to be realistic at times too. You know, I can help you with this task, but I can't guarantee you that, you know, this task is going to bring you in. Like social media marketing, I do um, some of that for clients. And I have a great page that I market and everybody loves it. Um, but there's no guarantee that you can get people out to the events, even though they love the page. So I think it's right. – um, uh, lost my train of thought there, but that's okay. So let me ask you this. <laughs> we have some time left. What should I have asked you that I didn't ask you?
1: Um, you know, I've got a, a saying that people – often want to challenge me on but I tell them to make any sale you must make every sale and what people think they hear is that oh are you saying you make every single sale everybody you talk to they just give you money All right and it's so it's interesting because they are they're projecting when they say that there it also shows the need to be clear in, commu- in your communication, right? It doesn't matter what we say. All that matters is what the prospect hears. So we need to make sure that we're being heard and understood. And so when I say to make any sale, you must make every sale, you know, the example I give is, you know, my wife and I met 25 years ago at a country bar here in Southern California. And less than a year later, we were married. Uh, but When I, you know, two hours before I got to the bar, I took a shower, right? I washed my clothes. I shined my boots. I shaved. I put on cologne. Uh, I made sure, you know, my clothes were clean and ironed um, and, you know, no dirt under my fingernails. So when I showed up, Right, I was I was making the appearance sale, right, and I was literally made sure I could pass the sniff test. <laughs> so when my wife saw me and smelled me, all right, those sales were made. But then how I approached mm-hmm. her was a sale, right? Mm-hmm. Did I walk up from behind her and grab her arm and say, "You're coming dancing with me, little girl," you know, or do I approach? from the front where she can see me coming and I'm smiling and I'm not aggressive. And that's a sale. Mm -hmm. The first thing that came out of my mouth was another sale. How I offered my hand, how we danced was a sale. Could I dance? Was I too slow? Was I awkward? Was I aggressive? Was I, you know, just inappropriate? Each of those were sales. And because i made each of those sales she was willing to give me her phone number and because i made those sales she was willing to answer her phone when i called and then she agreed to meet afterwards right so each of those was a sale then i had to act appropriately when we went on dates outside of the club every time those were little sales and so in your business you know what is your social media presence? I mean, I just unfollowed a guy yesterday that just made just really crude remarks on, online. So he lost that sale. You know? So mm-hmm. what is your online footprint? What's your social media footprint? How does your website look? How does your, your headshot look? You know, does your website load quickly? Is it responsive? Is it, does the video load quickly? Is it artistic? Is it pleasing to the eye? You know, so all of that matters. So to make any sale, you got to make every sale. Is the autoresponder easy to use? Or do you send uh, appropriate messages at the appropriate time? Or do you, you know, do you send eighteen emails and, and twelve text messages to me in the first, you know, two hours? And I'm like, oh my gosh, stop this barrage. So you know, I just had that you know, happen that. to
0: me. I I have – my mother is in assisted living. I mean, well, she's in memory care now. And I was uh, calling a place for mom to see if they could help me. And uh, I just left a message. And, you know, within minutes they called back and I said, well, this is the weekend. I really don't want to talk to you. Can we talk on Monday? And then two Mm -hmm. hours later another call came. And then two hours after that another call came. So I started looking up a place for mom – and and I always do search engines. If I want to find out the negative, I do a place for mom sucks. And oh. you find out that a place for mom has a habit of relentlessly calling people. And the experience mm-hmm. was just so negative that I just called them back and I said, don't, don't call me back anymore. I, I don't want to hear from you. So it really is important how we, approach sales and that we are in a much more listening mode and we listen more than we speak. Right.
1: Yeah. It's it's so hard. uh, People, there's so many misperceptions. Um, There's so many, you know, it's probably a case of somebody thinking, oh yeah, we need this marketing automation stuff. Uh, But they use it Mm -hmm. incorrectly. And so now there's no systems and processes in place. Uh, The first thing I do when I'm talking with people about getting any of these platforms is we go to the whiteboard. We go, uh, I'll pull out like butcher block paper and lay it on a desk, a table, and we'll start writing it out. You know, you have to, you know, garbage in, garbage out, right? You got to map out and define your human processes then you know which technology you need, which systems, what needs to be integrated, how to integrate, and how to use them. You know, mm-hmm. But most people are just sitting around and are like, oh, well, I, I really like Oprah, or I, I heard Mark Cuban uses this software. So, yeah, I want the software that Oprah and Mark Cuban uses. Uh, hello? Right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like I don't use the same golf clubs that Tiger Woods uses. Right, he's a professional. He he trains, you know, six days a week. Uh, he has, you know, twelve different trainers, you know, stretching coaches and and psychology, you know, sports coaches and putting coaches and driving coaches and sand bunker coaches and you know, on and on and on. Okay, his clubs are far too advanced for me. I need the the forgiving, you know, amateur clubs. Uh, and so, You can't be looking at making making a decision like that. It's like going grocery shopping when you're hungry. But everybody does it. Yes. And then like you're talking about in the yeah. beginning, yeah, they call it confusion soft, right? It's like it's not infusion soft's fault that they created powerful right. software that that required a lot of work to set up because it's it's automating your entire business. Right. You know? Right. And maybe you weren't ready for it or whatever, but it's you know We need to do more time looking at the mirror, you know, instead of just blaming everybody else for what may or may not be working in our business.
0: Yes. Well, Wes, it's been really great. We're running up against the close of the show. I just want to thank you for being a guest on the show. It's been a lot of fun to talk about sales and, and especially the more human side of sales and how we can make that process more successful for us. So I really appreciate you being on the show today.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's been great.
0: My pleasure. And that is the show for this week. If you are a speaker and you'd like to share your passionate message with my listeners here at Speaking with Influence, you can go ahead and contact me at 760 685 or you can send me an email, Deborah, D E B R A, at Speakers And until next week, I hope you have a safe and a very prosperous week, and happy Thanksgiving. Speaking with Influence is brought to you by Speakers Guild USA, where we have the perfect speaker for your next event. Visit us at speakerskilledusa.com.